Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. We are back once again. And another crazy week in sports. And a lot of it, you know, obviously the, the good parts. Let's talk about the good parts in sports. We had the NFL Hall of Fame ceremony, which is always a good thing. Uh, you brought in uh, another great class. I feel like I'm still missing, in my opinion, the biggest the biggest snub, I think, in the last couple of years in sports, and uh, we're talking about Terrell Owens. Now, granted, T.O., not known for being a positive guy in the locker room or known for being just a, how can I say, not really a good teammate. Um, it depends on who you talk to. Yes, a lot of quarterbacks had problems with him, but when he did play, the guy put up amazing numbers every single season he if you look at his stats I think he's like top five in most statistical categories all time in the NFL Um, he was as consistent a performer as you can get and yes he was a headache in terms of his antics off the field or on the field but let's let's really put this in perspective the guy changed the way you look at the wide receiver position. Now, there's always been divas. There's always been these players that, that have brought attention. But he just single-handedly, you, you don't meet many guys or hear about many football players that can talk the talk and walk the walk. The guy definitely spoke way more than he should have, but he backed it up on the field. I mean, I I can go back to so many games when he was with the 49ers, you know, the game-winning touchdowns he's caught, or like the Cowboy years, which were a lot of fun. The antics, yes, they are annoying to some people, but as a fan, when you're watching, you're like, okay, well, here's a story that I I automatically have to, you know, I have to watch, I have to know what's going on. Do I have to bring up the Sharpie situation? On Monday Night Football, like he knew to wait for Monday Night Football to decide I'm going to pull a Sharpie out of my pants in the middle of a game and sign the football. I just, it was amazing. Yes, it was cocky. Yes, it was arrogant. Yes, he got fined, but you never forgot his name again. Or maybe it was the infamous game when he was with the 49ers playing against the Cowboys in which he scored a touchdown and decided to run to the to the 50-yard line, which is where the star is located, and stand right in the middle of the star in Dallas as a member of the San Francisco 49ers. It's like these are moments that you're never going to forget. Or the popcorn. You know, he, he takes popcorn and, and throws it in his face after scoring a touchdown. I can go on and on. The pom-poms. Like, Terrell Owens gave you things to talk about. The battles that he had with his quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Tony Romo, obviously, has not been in contact with him. Uh, Jeff Garcia was another guy in San Francisco. Um, my opinion, the most obvious of quarterback issues he had was with uh, Davin McNabb. And McNabb with the Eagles, they just clashed. As good as they were together, they just continued to clash, even when they made it to the Super Bowl. Which is also another good reason for me to to continue my push for why Terrell Owens should be a part of the next Hall of Fame class. The guy played with a broken leg. He came back early just for the Super Bowl and played with a broken leg, and I think he had like 11 catches or something like that. It's it's things like that you can't really put a number on. You can't just say, oh man, he's, you know, he's, he's this terror, he's, he's horrible, he's all these, these things. But when you put him on the field, he produces. I, I feel like there's got to be a lot more merit to that. Look past the the extracurriculars and the doing crunches and working out in the uh, in his driveway while the media is there. Sometimes you have to look past that. You got to look at the numbers that he's put up, the the impact he had on the field. The guy was 
pretty much, you couldn't cover him one-on-one. He was physical. He was strong. You know, he was fast. He was all these things. And the guy just knew how to play the position fully. Uh, Terrell Owens, definitely a, uh, a more than deserving candidate, I think, for for 2018. But it, we're still talking about 2017 right now. And in my uh, sound section of this show, I am going to take a take a, a stroll back at some of the best moments from the Hall of Fame speeches. So you're going to hear a little bit from Jerry Jones. He's the uh, the Cowboys' legendary owner now, I guess. And my bias is I'm a Giants fan, so I'm always going to give a little bit of 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 attitude when it comes to talking about Jerry Jones. But the guy did revolutionize the game. And uh, he put the Cowboys on the map and made them America's team, quote unquote. So I'm going to play some stuff from him. Uh, also, Ladinian Tomlinson, you know, the great San Diego Chargers running back. Also played a little bit with the Jets. Going to have some stuff from him as well. Terrell Davis, who I was a big fan of TD when he was uh, healthy with the Broncos. Uh, just a shame that he had to end his career so early. I think the guy only played like six or seven good seasons before calling it quits because of uh, knee injuries. So 2,000-yard season, uh, just one of the more prolific backs out there. Uh, Morton Anderson, one of the best kickers of all time. Um, you know, just consistent. Jason Taylor, one of the best defensive ends of all time. You know, you get to hear from him. And uh, Kurt Warner. Now, Kurt Warner's story, everyone knows from working, you know, stocking shelves at a grocery store overnight to becoming the backup quarterback for the St. Louis Rams, then winning the job after Trent Green went down in preseason and had going on this magical run. It's it's funny how his story, which I think should be a movie someday, it's, it's got to be a movie, how it's unfolded. The guy lived about three or four different professional NFL lives. I mean, you know, you talk about that story of when he went undrafted and he was, got cut by the Green Bay Packers in 94, went to the AFL, went to these different leagues and just trying to make it. And, you, you know, you, you go to the Rams and the Rams win the Super Bowl. He gets back to a Super Bowl, doesn't win it, wins a league MVP. Then he falls out of favor in St. Louis. They decide to move on. He goes to the Giants for one year as a rental, basically, to help prepare then-rookie Eli Manning. Plays well with the Giants. The Giants decide to bench him after two straight losses and, you know, basically ending his career with the Giants because they decide to uh, bring in Eli, who has not given up the starting role since. And this is back in 2004, mind you. So just to let you know how healthy Eli Manning's been. Leaves the Giants... And goes over to the Arizona Cardinals where he's automatically assumed to be just another backup. The guy goes and has another Pro Bowl type of career. It's like he has another career just out of nowhere. And his story is amazing. Um, you're going to get to hear a little bit of sounds from him. But uh, I thought the people that were chosen this year well-deserved. Definitely well-deserved. I can't say, oh, you got to take this person out because of this. And mind you, I did want T.O. win this year, but... I'm okay with the uh, the people that were chosen this time around. Now, moving forward, when they do the selection committee, I do think Terrell Owens does get in 2018. I think Peyton Manning actually made a mention to that at the ESPYs about how you gotta have a guy like Terrell Owens in the in the Hall of Fame. It's just it just doesn't make sense. You, you got a guy that's that talented. I think about with the Basketball Hall of Fame with them letting Allen Iverson in. Iverson had his issues off the court as well, but he got in. And uh, speaking of segues, Iverson got into a little bit of trouble. Guy was out in Vegas, apparently, when he was supposed to be getting ready for one of his big three matchups in Dallas. He was a no-show. They had to investigate it. They don't know what happened. But, uh, you know, Iverson, I guess, has decided that he doesn't care anymore. And, hey, you're a Hall of Famer. I mean, the guy doesn't have to do a big three tournament. I think it sounded good to sell. I'm not too sure how it's doing. I went to the first one in Brooklyn, and he didn't play much, but um, I saw good things from it, and I saw some things that made me say, maybe this isn't worth it. You know, maybe just not worth the time. So I I don't know what's going to go with Allen Iverson. I hope he figures it out. It's up in the air. <laughs> 
Now, the other big thing in sports that uh, has really started brewing over this past weekend, uh, Matt Joyce. I don't think a lot of people know who he is, but he's a uh, player for the Oakland Athletics in uh, Major League Baseball. Made some very, very alarming comments talking to a fan uh, in the middle of a game and using some gay slurs. Now, obviously, that's huge news. You can't do anything like that. I think he's, got, I think he's facing a suspension because of it. But uh, it's like, come on, man. You know, you're a professional athlete. Everyone's watching you. You got to watch what you say. There's, there's just no other way to look at it. So it's going to be another issue. I think the athletics are going to probably plan to, to try to discipline him another way as well. Uh, he made a, a nice little comment on Twitter just apologizing for it. But it's going to snowball, something that's going to continue to pick up. And this also leads into my, my thought in regards to athletes and the interaction with fans. Now, mind you, this isn't no malice at the palace. This, isn't, this is not Ron Artest running up into the stands to go punch somebody in the face. But you also got to remember, as an athlete, your responsibility is to be the entertainment. People are going to say horrible things. There are some stupid people out there that can buy tickets to games. Your job is to, be, to really be above that. And that's easier said than done. That's me just saying that because everyone has emotions. Everyone has a trigger. You just have to know you're getting paid a, a great amount of money to play a sport. You got fans that are paying to come see you play. There are some that are just going to be idiots about it. You have to kind of brush it off. Take it for what it is. And this is, about, this is without them trying to physically confront you. Fans are going to heckle. That's what they're brought in to do regardless. I thought the Joyce situation is going to be rough. Uh, another situation that happened recently, if you want to talk about athletes and fans getting too close, the uh, WWE's Chris Jericho, Y2J as he's commonly known as, got into a nice little sparring session of words, I should say, with a fan. And it was in New York, and I don't even know how it started. But uh, the fan was yelling at Jericho, telling him, you know, you don't want to do nothing to me. I run New York, even though I'm from Atlanta. It got weird. And TMZ caught that as well. It just got really weird. And uh, Jericho did not help his cause by, you know, cursing back at the fan and all that. He also since apologized for the uh, altercation. But, hey, it's, uh, it just seems to be this is a, uh, a growing problem. When it comes to interaction between sports, um, athletes, and fans, it should be all in fun. It, it should never get to this point where we have people fighting and, and going back and forth with each other. It's too much. It's just way too much, and that's the reality of it. You know, you gotta, you have to know there's a line. You can't cross that line. You have to have that respect on both ends. It's not just about oh, there's no respect regards to the um, the fans and there's no respect regards to the athletes. There has to be mutual respect there. It's It's got out of control. Um, once again, on the show, we're going to talk about a lot of the hot topics that are going on. Um, it's, we're gonna, I'm going to replay the Hall of Fame speech, some of, the, some of the speeches, not all of them. Have a nice little package in regards to that. Um, we are going to take a little deeper look at some of the... The weird topics out. I don't know if you guys heard the whole Shaquille O'Neal, LeVar Ball uh, back and forth, and uh, apparently Shaq came out with a diss track. It's a it's a legit diss song that he put out on the internet, um, taking shots at LeVar Ball and LeVar Ball's claims because we all know Michael Jordan actually made his uh his thoughts known in regards to LeVar Ball. LeVar Ball, LeVar Ball was going out saying that. He's better than Jordan, he's better than Shaq, and all these things, you know, just to get attention. Well, now these guys are responding. I think Jordan went to the links of saying that even if he had one leg, he could still beat LeVar Ball. Uh, he may not have done it in the musical route as Shaq has, but Shaq came out with this whole diss track, which I'll also play later in the show, and LeVar Ball was spoken to by a TMZ in the, in the airport. That seems to be where they catch everybody, is the airport. Just his thoughts on Shaq's diss track. So that's a lot of fun. Also, Usain Bolt loses 
Yes, Usain Bolt actually lost a race. It's his final one because he is retiring now. And what a, what a time. And he actually loses to uh, Justin Gatlin of the U.S. And uh, it's, it's incredible stuff. Uh, I'm going to play that as well. Just, you never know. You never know. Anybody can get anybody's number. So this is what uh, sports is all about. Uh, you know, not just LeVar Ball, but uh, Usain Bolt. Just what he's meant to not only track and field, but to Jamaica. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough not to see him at the Olympics anymore. But uh, he's he's earned it. He's earned that time to to retire. And you know he went out. He left with the bronze as his last uh, his his last single. In the, you know I think it was his last singles uh, matchup in his career. So it it was interesting. Going to get into that. And uh, once again, a reminder everybody: hit me up on Twitter at Ed Easton Jr. or uh, hit me up via email. That is edeaston at kirsnetwork.com. Once again, that is edeaston at kirsnetwork.com. And uh, just let me know what you think. If you have any suggestions, anything you want to talk about in regards to the world of sports. And uh, we'll just jump in there and uh, discuss it. So uh, I'm going to step aside, take a break. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio.
Sports Social with Eddie Sin Jr. here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. And yes, it's that time again. It's time for the sounds. And now the sounds this year, it's just really, I want to say two, but it is three if you want to be actually specific. The LeVar Ball, Shaquille O'Neal situation. I'm going to play the song in its entirety of Shaq just going in on LeVar Ball and and, and talking about all these different things, how ball is overrated. And, you know, it's it's just, it's funny because Shaq is known, he's a platinum selling rapper. Let's not forget about this. I'm not trying to say Gazam days, but he did put out a platinum album. It's it's fact, you know. And uh, this song isn't too bad by uh, diss track standards, I guess. It's not exactly TakeOver or Ether, but it is something that has uh, is, is been put out there. People have, have had fun with it. And you got to remember, this is Shaq. He he does not care what you think at the end of the day. The guy has all the money in the world. He's done it all, it seems like, in the uh, in the sport. So um, it does not matter to him. So I'm going to play the full diss track of LeVar Ball, as well as LeVar Ball's response a little bit later. But first, I want to get into Usain Bolt and uh, just the sound of the, the commentary of him losing in London uh, to Justin Gatlin, who finally got his first win over Bolt, and uh, Bolt losing is is a huge deal. It was trending for a while on Twitter. I actually tweeted out about it, and his reaction to it, he was very honest about it. And I think he's at peace for it. And uh, I'll be interested to see what Bolt does next. But without further ado, here are this week's sounds. The final of the men's 100 meters. For one last time, Usain Bolt settles in his blocks over the 100 meter distance. Well, it's a clean start, it's a good start by Coleman. The Americans flying in lane number five. It's the American leading the Jamaican at the moment. It's going to be Coleman. Officially 9.94 seconds. Well, was it Gatlin in lane number eight? Was it Coleman in lane number five? The crowd drops. Justin Gatlin with a time of 9.92 seconds is the world champion here in London. The fifth fastest of all time at 9.74 seconds. The American athlete out of lane number eight was poised, was controlled. His teammate Christian Coleman, two one hundredths of a second behind, picks up the silver for a US 1-2. And Usain Bolt in his final individual race runs 9.95 seconds for bronze. The fairy tale in the individual event wasn't to be for the Jamaican. It was a close race, but America get one and two. I told you from the start, no matter what happens, this is it. You know what I mean? I came out there, I gave it my best. I'm proud of the way I ran. You know what I mean? I'm not happy that at the execution, but I gave it my all and that's what matters. I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed that I didn't win, but it's just one of those things. You know what I mean? Uh, it's the first time in, it's never really come together for me, but uh, it happened. So I just got to pick up and move on. Hey, me and Melo against him and Shaq. Back in 92, I came out with them shacks. I've been doing this a long time. When you was averaging two points, riding a pine. You see my t-shirts, you see my feet work. It fall a brand, that was me first. How many parades did I give them LA streets? How many rings with Kobe? See, you thought we had beef. How many accolades? How many ceremonies? I had whatever I want, like Tony, Tony, Tony. You beating me? That's a bunch of baloney. You think you mailman? You ain't even Jeff Maloney. When did you play, huh? What year? Oh yeah, you played for Dallas. Yeah. 
Eric Dampier. Listen here, they call me Steph Harden. I make the same salary as Steph and James Harden. 200 plus, 248. You do the math, man. Damn, my life is great. You wanna battle these? You better have endurance. Before you crash, man, get that general insurance. Or get some icy hot. Rub it on your back before you break that. around with Shaq. Sit down, man. You be doing the most. You know your ass is barbecue chicken in the post. First you can beat Mike, then you can beat me. Wake that ass up. You having a dream. And when you wake up, apologize. And bow down to my staple center statue hanging off the side of the building. Excuse me, arena. I feel like Martin with this flow. Damn, Gina. You've been caught up in a rapture. And when you watch your soul play, look up in the rafters. You'll see Magic Johnson. You'll see Jerry West. You'll see Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Damn, he was the best. Keep looking, man. I know you see this. Number 34 next to Gail Kush Rich. Big Daddy Kane. No, half-stepping. I'm more like Will Smith. I am legend. Penny love me. Kobe hate me. D-Wade ain't tell me Pat Riley was gonna trade me. That ain't fade me, nothing fade me. Jerry Maguire with this flow, pay me. The big ball of brand trust, I am that. I hope you get the message by telephone effects. Two more things I got to say. You did a great job, I love how your sons play. And Lil Mellow too, attitude hella cool. Jumper wet, wet like two thoughts in a pool. I learned the game from William Wesley, you can never test me. Cause when I'm done, they gon' rip nipple me like Elvis Presley. Watch him out, don't ever step out of line. Shaq O'Neal, bro, greatest of all times. This is a game to me, this is not a sport. My name ain't Shaq, I'm the black Michael Rappaport. And big baller brand t-shirts look uncomfortable. I gotta ask, man. Michael Jordan said he, he, you couldn't beat him one on one, even if he had one leg. He said one leg. I told yeah. him I could beat him with one hand tied behind my back, with some glasses on, with one eye lens out, with some flip flops on in the rain. Are you being serious? I said it. I'm real serious. My man, are you gonna issue a, a response track to Shaq? No. You're not. Like I told him, if he wanna join the Big Ball of Records and he auditioning. That's fine, but we're looking for younger acts at this time. You're gonna have a record label too? Hey, tell him he can't join the diss track with that. No. The sky's the limit. What did you think about the track? I mean, I, I was a big Shaq Like Diesel I told you fan. before, I'm a CEO, he's an employee. <laughs> I don't worry about no diss track. I'm doing other things. I'm doing big grown up moves. He should join the big ballers. Yeah, if you wanna join big ballers, if you wanna win. But then again, leave him on Shaq. Leave him at the Shaq. Yeah. I talked to Charles Barkley. He said the Lakers are not a playoff team. <laughs> Charles Barkley don't with, know what he's talking about. Really? Oh, I know all this Bro, stuff. Are you going to help recruit LeBron and the Lakers in 2018? I help nobody recruit nothing. LeBron make his own mind up. If you want to win some championships, come over there with the Lakers. Play with my boy. But don't give my boy the best player in the game. Don't think he ain't going to win no championships. You made some big guarantees. Are the Lakers guaranteed, guaranteed to, to make the playoffs? I said in French, guaranteed to make the playoffs. I said in Spanish, guaranteed to make the playoffs. I said in African, guaranteed to make the mother playoff. What do you think about the Shaq's diss track, Romello? Did you see that? Boy, don't be looking at no diss track. That dude, 90 years old rapper. It was pretty good. Who gonna pay attention to a 90 year old rapper? They looking at the new things like Future and Drake. Yeah. That old diss track. I didn't know they still did diss track. I'm old school, though. I'm old school, but I, you know what? He's too old to be doing a diss track. Ain't nobody doing no diss tracks no more, man.
I'm acapella. They had the rhythm and I had the rhyme. So then I hit it that one more time. It worked out and then they worked it in. Tony, Tony, Tony has done it again. of the NFL world was on Canton, Ohio, as it always is around this time, besides just the regular Hall of Fame game that the Cowboys won, but let's be honest, who was really watching to see who won the Hall of Fame game? Unless you're a hardcore Cowboys or Cardinals fan, you really didn't care, you were just happy that football's back, because that's really all we do care about at this point. But nevertheless, people were focused also on the uh, special Hall of Fame induction ceremony that is they do a good job every year with this, and the people this year, the seven uh, names that were this, that were in it this year: Morton Anderson, Ladanian Tomlinson, Terrell Davis, Kurt Warner, Jerry Jones, uh, Jason Taylor. You know, you're talking about an amazing group of people that just transformed the game, and I look at what uh, LaDainian Tomlinson does, what he did as a player, just one of the smartest running backs, knowing how to get into the end zone and uh, put up points for your team. I, I think every time it was a goal line situation, you know Tomlinson was going to score. That's just something you automatically knew. Terrell Davis being the workhorse he was for the Denver Broncos, he was the main reason why they won those two titles, especially when that last one, because I think John Elway was – Pretty much that was the last year in his career. He was done. And I just felt like Terrell Davis carried that team, went for 2,000 yards that season on route to another Super Bowl. And he was a Super Bowl MVP as well from the year before that. Uh, just a, an incredible, you know, incredible player. Jason Taylor. Uh, what can I say? Great defensive mind. Played with so much character at that defensive end position. He uh, was the main guy in Miami for so many years. Played a year, I, b- I believe, with the Jets as did Tomlinson. 
but uh, he was such a beast at the defensive end position. And uh, Kurt Warner, just for what he did at the quarterback spot and his whole story and how he overcame so much just to get into the league. I mean, the guy was an outcast for so long, and he does his job by just staying focused, never giving up. It is such a great story. I'm looking forward to whenever they have a movie come out because it's um it's it's incredible. I hats off to him. Hats off to the rest of the people. I just you know didn't get a chance to really break down each one, but uh, I think you enjoy listening to their stories because it's uh it's the best part of this, hearing their version and just saying thank you for this honor. So without further ado, this is a nice look back at the uh, best parts from each each uh, inductee speech for the uh, Football Hall of Fame. The whole team lined up on the sideline just to watch my tryout. I, I don't think they expected much. The feeling was mutual. My thoughts were, let's get this over with so I can go find a soccer field. It was then I learned the process of kicking a football is quite involved. Suddenly players appeared from everywhere, proceeded to line up in front of me. I was confused. What are they doing? Is that necessary? The guys were really big. They blocked my view of those funny looking posts sticking up in the air. A smaller guy approached me and asked if I was ready. He was licking his fingers. Should I do that too, I asked him. He looked at me confused and proceeded to kneel on the ground. Red set! It startled me. Up in front of us was not a pretty view either. There was a line of big derrieres and they were facing me. And from the middle of the mass, a ball came flying back to the little guy kneeling on the ground. He placed it vertical on a small black platform. I took a second look. Oh man, the ball is not around. I looked around for help. Anyone, anything. Coach Wilbur came over and whispered to me, just kick the out of it. And if you don't, I'm sending you back on the boat. Message received. The ball flew high and through those white things. And I looked over to my new teammates. I think they liked what they saw. And suddenly I had 80 new friends. Just like that. Welcome to America. Over my 20 miles in 20 years, it made me realize two things. And the first was that nobody gets here alone. Well, the second is that I have one regret and only one. You see, I was so focused on the destination the entire time. I didn't enjoy the ride enough. I wish I could go back and savor every film session, every pregame meal with my teammates, every locker room prank, every post-game speech, every fan that waited outside the stadium for hours to see you or wave at you. So I, ch I challenge each and every one of you today to enjoy your journey, wherever it is, wherever it takes you. Takes you. Appreciate those around you and articulate that appreciation. Embrace your successes and your failures. And understand that each moment is a unique step on your path that you can never, ever get back. You see, wonderful experiences become distant memories so fast, too fast. And I wish I had the gratitude then that I have now and said some of the heartfelt things that I've said today, before today. Listen, it wasn't easy. Easy doesn't get you here. Kenny's name may be easily, but easily is not how he got here. To channel the great Denzel Washington, 
If it were easy, there'd be no Morton Anderson, no Kurt Warner, no LaDainian Tomlinson. If it were easy, there'd be no Terrell Davis. If it were easy, there'd be no Jerry Jones. If it were easy, there'd be no Jason Taylor. Ease is a greater threat to growth than hardship. I repeat, ease is a greater threat to growth than hardship. So keep moving, keep growing, learning, loving. I couldn't have made it in these 20 miles over 20 years if I didn't have you at my back, at my side, and out in front. My football career forever ends right here tonight. My gratitude is eternal. Thank you. The cancellation of Long Beach program made the national news. And as a result, a recruiter from the University of Georgia, Bob Pitter, called and asked one of our coaches if we have any players who can play in the SEC. He answered, yes, we have one player. That's Terrell Davis. Now I was off to the University of Georgia. How about them dogs? Now keep in mind, up to this point, I lost a parent, battled through migraines, and found myself staring down a barrel of a shotgun. And overnight, my college football program was gone. But here I am, playing for a program with the prestige and tradition of UGA. God is good. During my senior year, after suffering a torn hamstring, I hit another personal low point. However, this moment also served as a time of real introspection. While watching the game from the stands, instead of on the field where I wanted to be, I questioned if I was ever going to play football again. I asked myself, did I give the game all I had? Did I play hard enough? study hard enough? And the answer was a resounding no. That, rea that reality forced me to decide what kind of player I'd become and what type of man I was committed to being. Another test. I returned with four games left in the season, and when I did, I worked harder than ever. I didn't hold back. I did everything I could to be my very best. I walked off that field after the final game, and I could say with pride, I finally did whatever it took. I gave it my all and have no regrets. Football stayed with me. I talked about it all the time. I daydreamed about it. I thought about it every day. I aspired to be in the NFL. In 1988, I was on a fishing trip with my son in Mexico and for some reason, the next morning I got up, I was feeling pretty rough. I don't know why, but I was drinking a lot of coffee. And I was reading the paper when I learned that the Dallas Cowboys were for sale. I found a phone in the lobby, and I got someone on the other end of the connection, and I said, you don't know me from Adam. My name is Jerry Jones. And if I live to make it back to the United States, I'm going to buy the Dallas Cowboys. Hangover be damned. I really, though, was intoxicated with the idea of being in the NFL and by all means getting a chance to be with the Dallas Cowboys. The economy was in shambles. The team was losing the Dallas Cowboys $1 million cash a month. I just dodged enough bullets in my time that I'd kind of gotten on solid financial ground. And here it was, the thing I dreamed about. 
All right, big talker. Stop dreaming. Start talking. It was time to put up or shut up. It was my mom's personal sacrifice that led to my first meeting with one of my football idols. When I was 12 and seriously lacking in any self-confidence as an athlete, I spotted a flyer at the Boys and Girls Club. It had Emmett Smith's picture on it. I thought it was Emmett's football camp. Actually, it was the great Cowboys tight end Jay Novacek's camp. And Emmett and other legendary Cowboys were scheduled to attend. I rushed home and said, Mom, Emmett Smith is having a football camp. I have to go. She looked at the flyer and replied, that's too much money, baby. I don't know if we can make that happen. A couple of months later, mom called me into the room and said, remember that Jay Novacek camp you wanted to go to? I said, yes, ma'am. She continued, well, I'll save the money and you'll be able to go. Wow, that's where I first saw Michael Irvin, Emmett, Jay, Daryl Johnston, and other Cowboys greats. I vividly remember the first practice. We were learning a handoff drill, and I lined up with all the other running backs. Emmett suddenly jumps into the line and hands the ball off to me. Then, later that evening, I was heading upstairs to dinner when Emmett was coming downstairs and literally ran me over. I began to fall, but he held me up and asked, are you all right, kid? I answered, yeah, I'm fine. But truth was, I wasn't. I was awestruck. Because of two astonishing moments with my idol, a 12-year-old kid who entered camp lacking in self-confidence as an athlete, left on top of the world feeling he could truly fulfill his dream to play in the National Football League. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do while you're waiting to do what you were born to do. Thus, my infamous sit in the grocery store. Working nights, stocking shelves, taking care of our kids during the day, working out in the afternoons to stay ready, sleeping when I could, and waking up and doing it all over again. But just as I knew it was something I had to do, I also realized there's a point of no return, and I was backing myself into that corner. If I wanted different results, I needed to change my course. Because trust me, no NFL scout comes running into aisle seven at 3 a.m. looking for their next QB. But I was crippled by the fear of the unknown. I needed a little nudge to take that first step. My nudge would come in two separate incidents within just days of each other. The first actually did happen in aisle seven at 3 a.m., just not in the form of an NFL scout, but more aptly, that of a cereal box. I was stocking the cereal aisle, opened up a case of Wheaties, and on the box was one of the men with the seat behind me, Dan Marino. Yeah. Once on the shelves, it seemed that Dan the man's eyes followed me like one of those creepy paintings in a horror movie as I walked back and forth throughout the night. Every time I looked at the box, Dan seemed to be asking, are you gonna spend your life stocking someone else's cereal boxes? Or are you gonna step out and make sure someone else is stocking yours? That crazy conversation, <laughs> that crazy conversation between me and a cereal box would set the wheels of change in motion and would lead to a pretty good laugh when less than five years later, I would join Dan Marino as the only two players in the 40 touchdown club. Dan, I know you had no idea the role that you played, but thanks for the motivation. I want to take the time to thank everybody for listening to the show. And as always, to uh, check out KeepItUpRealSports.com, SportsSocialPod.com for more information on past episodes. We got a nice gallery set up for all of Season 1, 
as well as catching up with season two so you can listen to past interviews and just any type of uh, content that you may have missed the first time around. And as always, to uh, check us out on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio, there's actually going to be a, uh, a scheduled time that you can listen to us on the HD channel. So there'll be more information regarding that as well as on, as well on the site. So uh, be on the lookout. As always, check me out on Twitter at Ed Easton Jr. as well as Instagram. And until next time, thanks for listening. This has been Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio.